Hey, everybody, and welcome to Views on View. Today on our panel, we have Natalia Tapluhina. Hey. She's on the View Ducks team and also CTO of View Vixens, and also Ben Hong. Hey, everybody. He's a view developer at GitLab and also a speaker, MC extraordinaire. I believe he also does children's birthday parties. Only upon special request. For, for very precocious view users. <laughs> <laughs> and then today our guest is Piero Borelli. Exactly. Hey folks, I just want to let you know quickly about Netlify. Netlify is a really cool system for hosting what are traditionally known as static sites. However, the real benefit that I've been finding is that I don't have to mess with a back end. I can just set things up. I build the website out. I've been using a system called 11DJS and you just deploy it. And then anything that you have that you want to do, you can do on the front end. So if you want to pull in some kind of database with Firebase or something else, if you want to collect form data, Netlify provides all kinds of services that make it easy to do all that stuff. If you're trying to do serverless, they have a really, really neat serverless setup that will allow you to deploy your websites without having to deploy a backend and it'll do some of the work for you. I just, I just love it. So if you're looking for a way that you can actually deploy a website that only has front end technology in it, gives you all the tools that you typically need for the back end without having to actually program the back end, then give them a try. Go check them out at netlify.com. This is going to be a little bit of a special episode. So Piero, you are not currently using Vue right now, right? Exactly. I'm not currently using Vue. So this kind of makes me like a special interviewer. From, from a guest, I became an interviewer, like suddenly. Yeah, yeah. So, you, But you have experience with quite a few different frameworks that you've used, right? Yeah. Actually, in the last few years, I have had the, the possibility to experience many different technologies. I've been working like the first year as a consultant. So I was like having a lot of job interviews and really working with many different teams, companies to accomplish a result using different technologies, old and new ones. Can you, can you name some of these technologies that you've worked with? Yeah, actually, uh, I work with Java. I work with like AGB, uh, MyBetis. I work with uh, Node.js, MongoDB, uh, JavaScript, and of course, like HTML, CSS. We also work a little bit, just a little bit with Spring. So, you know, my work was kind of, if I can say that, polymorphic. I just had to go to a company and just get used to the technology. But now I had the occasion to switch to being a full-stack Node.js developer, which is what I always wanted to do. This also gave me the occasion to understand what I like and what I don't like to do. Great. So you're, you're writing back-end code and front-end code. Yeah, exactly. And on the front-end, uh, what are you using most of the time these days? Most of the time, I'm using Angular. We're using HTML, CSS, and of course... Angular and just just working with those with a stack. So does that mean you're 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 also using TypeScript? Exactly. Actually, this is quite a particular situation because the application I'm working on is separated into two parts. One part is made with Angular 1.6.5, and the other one is made with a newer version of Angular. The reason behind this is because when the project started, we had to use like Angular 1.6.5. And then, and then later, we decided to move some parts of the application that came later to a new stack. So now we are trying to convert all the application and to migrate it to the, let's say, state of the art of the Angular framework. Oh, it sounds really challenging. 
it's really challenging also because as I mentioned earlier, we are just three people. So we're always running. We always try to deploy. We always try to build new stuff. So, you know, sometimes you just got to stop and try to organize the work in order to migrate the application correctly. Wow. So you have all this experience with these, these other frameworks and, and solving a, sounds like a wide variety of challenging problems, but you don't have that much experience in Vue, but you've been sort of keeping an eye on it. And this is an opportunity now for you to hear some, from some people in the Vue community who are like all building applications with Vue. Exactly. Exactly. Like, how would Vue work for like, you know, your problems, your use cases, like, uh, you know, where, where are the weaknesses? What are things you should look out for? That kind of thing. So go ahead. This is, this is going to be exciting. Go ahead and take the wheel and whatever questions you have, please, okay. please just ask us. Thank you so much. This is the moment I become the interviewer. Like this wasn't expected, but it's really good for me because I, let's say I can learn from the master's. And I can learn from people who have already been using the framework. So, and I'm sure we'll learn from you as well. Yeah, I think everybody can learn from these and exchange their ideas. So if I could start with a question, recently I have written an article on my blog and I have asked developers, let's say from all over the world, about how they started and how they ended up working on a specific technology. So my first question will be, how did you end up working with Vue? Were you interested in it? Or like, was there like just a necessity for your project? Did it have any peculiarities or specifics that you were attracted to that made you say like, oh my God, I want to learn Vue? I love that question. Natalia, do you want to go first? Yeah, I will. So when I was a front-end developer, my first framework was very similar to your experience. It was Angular 1.4. The one, it were like no components, nothing special. And it still was very fun comparing to jQuery times. And I was tracking the new release of Angular. I was looking for Angular 2. And Angular 2, as you probably remember, was released in September of 2016. And the fun fact is Viewpoint 2 was released like two weeks later. Yeah, Chris? I think two weeks later after Angular. And I decided to try it. And I was impressed. Because Angular 2 was very different compared to Angular 1.4 and 5. It was like completely different framework, but naming was so confusing. It's like you expected something similar to what you're working with. And you get completely different framework. It's like, why is it even called the same name? <laughs> I know, right? Even now, if you try to search for some issue with Angular, the search results are divided for Angular 1 and Angular 2. And it's very confusing. In the meantime, Vue was similar to the first Angular. It was mostly in terms of syntax because we have directives. Yes. And they're really similar. Yeah. But it was way simpler and it was easier to get than Angular 2 because we didn't require TypeScript. And I really liked working with Vue. I had no really requirement to work it with my job because we were doing Angular. But somehow I convinced my manager to try it and he liked it as well. So it was my beginning and it was like an instant love. Yeah. What about you, Ben? 
Yeah, so funny story. Um, unlike the rest of you, I did not really have a framework of choice uh, when I first started. Um, uh, so when I uh, was learning front-end development, I, as a kid, I thought I needed to learn Java to learn JavaScript. And that misconception plagued me for like the next 15 years. <laughs> so by the time I jumped back into JavaScript, the framework war was basically happening. And I tried my best to you know, do Angular. Um, React was big at the time. And so it wasn't until I joined uh, Politico, actually, that we were starting to have the opportunity to look into frameworks. And React was certainly the, the hot thing at the time. And so, I, funny enough, I originally was pushing for React as our framework of choice. And it was actually um, some coworkers of mine, uh, Christian Guerrero and Hung Su, who uh, sort of mentioned, like, hey, there's this view framework that you should check out. And so um, over time, I basically ended up uh, having the opportunity to prototype with it and to push it to production. And the big thing for us, I think, that made us choose Vue was that we had um, developers um, and designers who weren't necessarily familiar with JavaScript but still wanted to contribute. And Vue has um, such a great baseline for allowing people who might not be expert JavaScript people to join in and help out. So, you know, I, I like to call it the compassionate framework. I like the definition, a compassionate framework. It's like the first time I, I hear it. Yeah, I think the reason I particularly... Um, say that is because it really lets you opt in to what's best for you. Um, so obviously, yeah. I know TypeScript is growing within the front-end community, but it's not necessarily like, not every team is ready for that. And so Vue, I think, does a good job of progressively, allows you to progressively enhance uh, what you have you know, as an application stack as you keep growing. So that's one of the reasons okay. why um, I liked it a lot. Perfect. And what about you, Chris? So for me... I had used uh, jQuery for a while, Backbone, Angular 1. Also, I, I used a, a tiny bit of Ember, a tiny bit of Ember. And then I was using React for uh, several years. And I was actually a React consultant for a couple of years before I had even tried out Vue. Uh, and then... I tried out Vue one day. I think it was just like a, a Saturday where I figured, okay, I'll just learn something new. And I was honestly looking for reasons to dismiss it because I, I don't, like, we all want to keep up to date, right? But <laughs> I don't really want to switch to a new framework. Because <laughs> especially for, for React, like, it took me so long to, to get productive and I was at a place where I was feeling pretty good. I knew how to solve most problems. And, you know, I didn't want to go through that process all over again and completely learn from scratch. That sounded horrible to me. But I, I tried out Vue and I, I found that within the first day, like there were a lot of things that I was really liking. And after a single day, I was already probably about 80% as productive oh, as wow. I was like it. In a, like less than a single day. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. And then within a week, I was more productive with Vue than with React, having used React for years. That's uh, crazy. Which totally blew me away. And of course, at this time, like no one really knew anything about Vue. This is before Vue was really big. There wasn't even a core team. Like it was just Evan. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, the, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell companies that I worked for. It's like, oh, yeah, you should check out Vue, this framework you've never heard of. So I would only use it on my data visualization projects at first because those were the projects where I could usually pick any technology that I wanted. No one cares. Uh, and for the, the larger applications, you know, I, I, I didn't really have a choice. Or for the, the applications that I'm working with a larger team on, more specifically, I guess. 
I am really surprised by how easy it was for you to pick up Vue. And that was actually before the docs were as good as they are now. Wow. I don't know if maybe I think like the fact that you were already like a developer and that you already had quite a bit of a time as an experience like under your belt was like a major factor, but picking up a framework in that small amount of of time is great. I'll absolutely agree. Like the fact that I had already experience with components yeah. or like just, just component-based frameworks, like that's one of the biggest things that it sometimes takes people to, you know, wrap their minds around, you know, just working with components and figuring out like how to fit components together in an application. But once you know that, the actual implementation details of Vue were, were often pretty intuitive, even though they were very different in many cases from what I was used to. You know, I think when first le- when learning something new, you first learn like the syntax and how to write code using that specific technology. And then you kind of have to migrate to thinking using that technology. Yeah. So like if you develop an application using JavaScript and jQuery and then you migrate to Angular, you won't only have to learn the Angular syntax, but also how to think like in components and other major parts of the framework. Yeah. So my question for you guys will be, if you could come back to the first days where you were learning Vue, what would you change and why? Like, do you have any advice for like a younger you trying to learn Vue? Or like for everybody who is listening to us, like, okay, you're trying to pick up this technology. This is what I will tell you to do when learning it. For me, it was like, when you learn Vue, and I was trying to learn it with a course, actually. And this course was starting with using Vue without components. It was like a replacement for jQuery. You just pick Vue script from CDN, and you can start working with it. You don't need a component, actually, to work with Vue. But for me now, it was like, I should have skipped this part. I should start with component immediately, because it was very intuitive with Vue. Like. No problems. Even so, I didn't work with components in Angular because it was really old Angular. <laughs> okay, yeah. Ben? Um, shoot, I lost my train of thought listening to your story. Chris, you want to go first? <laughs> yeah, sure, I can go. So <laughs> I, I'm going to give sort of not the answer that you wanted and then also another answer that you didn't really want. Uh, <laughs> so I apologize for that in advance. <laughs> but the, the first thing is that like, there, were, there were some things about the documentation that you know didn't really make sense to me. That confused me a little bit. But I do a lot of work on documentation on the Vue team now with Natalia, and so I changed those things. <laughs> <laughs> so if I could go back in time, I would like rewrite those sections so that I could never have experienced it. I guess, um, but it, it worked out anyway. And the other thing that is also like not really directed to my experience, but from what I hear from a lot of people in the community is like, I think we're all used to seeing really bad documentation, right? Yeah. We've all experienced this, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so we don't trust that the official documentation is actually going to be a good resource. And when we like Google some problem or how to use some feature, if there's like a, if we're looking at the Google results and we see something on Stack Overflow, I'm often going to trust that over official documentation. So, you know, I'll, I'll go there and figure out what people are saying. You know, even though there's no one 
committed necessarily to keeping that up to date or anything. You know, I, I'm just, I, I just expect the documentation to be so bad. And so a lot of people have that experience with, with you too, where they, you know, they don't trust the, the official docs at first. And then they, they go through a lot of resources. And then later they check out the official docs and realize like, oh, this is, this is actually really high quality. And they put a lot of work into this. I, I could have actually just like learned the basics from this. Exactly. I've personally experienced like bad documentation. And I think it's one of the worst things you can ever try as a developer. Really, it might also not be a, re- be a reason to not start working with a certain technology. If it's like too old, too outdated, and there is no good way to learn it. But as you're telling me, like with Vue now, things have changed and you're telling me like it's a great documentation. So that's a big plus yeah. for the... For I, I, I would say it was good documentation before. And then I we made it that. great. Uh, and, you know, with the help of the community, finding like little sentences, because this is something, this is a huge advantage that I didn't realize before, is that like, you can't take something from bad to great. Uh, that's impossible. It's just too much of a challenge, at least because I'm not a super talented writer. <laughs> but if you take something from good to great, then people can see that you've put a lot of effort and then the community helps you out a lot to find little things that don't make sense because they're used to such high quality. And so they're, they're more nitpicky and they'll, they'll help you iron out the parts that, that are really bad. So I think through the community, in some cases, you know, we've made it truly spectacular. Wow. The other thing I would add to that actually is, so for, as far as advice to my younger self, is that you don't have to learn everything before you start using Vue. Um, I think a lot of developers um, fall fallacy to that, is that you kind of want to like take all the courses out there before you start like building something. And with Vue, um, again, if I could tell my younger self that is not to spend time learning every technique available to you. Like, yes, you need to learn the basics, but then just start building. Like, as problems come, like Vue will be there for you with new techniques and stuff. And you'd be surprised with how much you can do with just like the, the fundamentals. Um, without any complicated like composition techniques and stuff. And so that was one thing. It would have gotten me started a lot sooner if I had not approached it from like a, I have to learn everything before I get started kind of thing. Yeah, you don't even know this. You don't even have to know the CLI or a build system to nope. like build real production applications in Vue. Exactly. That's also like a major point that I try to understand when you know thinking about learning something new is how quick will I be able to develop, let's say, something cool. And with something cool, I'm saying, I'm talking about something that will keep the motivation high for like a beginner on that technology. So can I develop this application or this other application? How quick can I do that? And will I feel rewarded by working with with these technologies? Because let's be honest, working with like the command line it's all right, but developing cool-looking projects and real-world applications, it's a lot better, and it makes you feel like you're really accomplishing something. I agree 100%. 100%. And that's also the reason why I decided to switch to a JavaScript stack. I was working with HTML, CSS. I was developing like web pages, and I said, like, oh, wow, I want to add interactivity to this. And it was just like I was really having something to to check out something to watch and it was just cool. So you're really making this intriguing for me, you know, as a framework. Awesome. 
but I, I, I would be, I would be curious to hear, um, or, or I guess, uh, Pietro, would you be interested in hearing about like the, some of the first projects that people built were? Yeah, of course. I would like to hear. And what I, were your and first projects? I think, like what features made those projects fun? That sounds like a really great suggestion. You can also like link eventually to projects that you're building now, you know, so how the things that you built in the past helped you to become like the view developer that you are today and how, mm. what they taught you. I love it. Natalia, do you want to go first again? Okay. So I think first thing I tried to build with view was kind of a mock of pizza shop, pizza store. It was really fun. And you mentioned like how fast you can do this. The thing is like three weeks after I started learning Vue, I decided to apply for a new position. And they had a testing task, a really interesting testing task. It was kind of GitHub Explorer. You need to browse a GitHub, certain repositories, and sort the contributors with their contributions, gifts, followers, and stars. It wasn't that easy. And I decided, okay, I'm learning Vue. I'm going to build it with Vue, actually. And as you can understand, it was a challenge because it was a new framework, but I managed to do it. And the most fun part, and it really impressed my reviewers, was transitions. Because with Vue, you can make animation really easily. And so some of my project has had a lot of nice transitions, animations, and all this stuff. And probably it was a point for my reviewers to decide on me. It was really cool. Uh, and what about my current project? It's funny because most of my projects are CLI plugins right now. <laughs> They're not probably very nice to showcase because it's just plugins for CLI, but the biggest project I'm work working on now on Vue is actually my job, it's GitLab. So GitLab is using Vue. And I can say even those projects on browsing GitHub is helping me right now because in fact, you have a lot of basic cases, even on complicated job like for GitLab. Ben, what about you? Just don't mention GitLab one more time, please. <laughs> no, <laughs> I won't. So my first project with Vue was, um, unfortunately, it's behind a paywall, but it's for um, a company called Politico in the United States that does like a news media. And so they had like an, an, a software tool that basically allows you to sort between various documents. And so they have like a, basically a PDF, a bunch of PDFs, and they have like all this data they want to filter down. And so it's basically a document search uh, tool. And uh, yeah, I built all of that without, um, yeah, with very basic view knowledge that I went into it. Um, I think the V4 directive became my best friend really, really quickly because I was looping through things like all the time. So um, did you have something to say, Chris? No, I was just going to make a joke about, you know, you getting a little bit loopy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, V4 made me quite loopy. Um, <laughs> uh, but as far as like, and so yeah, I would basically take the lessons learned from that. Um, and so for those uh, of you developers on there, I, I would tell you that I, I learned about an event bus at the time, and I thought it was a brilliant idea to use that as my global state management. And I was like, great, I'll save on like size of Vuex and I'll be great. And when I had to refactor that later on, it was one of the worst experiences I've had. So um, that was a fun uh, lesson learned from that particular project. But yeah, so currently right now I'm working on the Meltano team. 
uh, within GitLab. And so I'm actually, a lot of my work is focused on documentation and sort of like explaining things. So my work actually has a lot to do with ViewPress right now. So uh, ViewPress is a documentation tool you definitely should, uh, worth checking out. Okay. What about you, Chris? So my very first project with Vue, uh, you know, just beyond like, interacting with the simple demos and maybe making some tiny changes, like on, just on the website and the documentation, was I, I, was, I had this, this contract with the, the National Science Foundation at the time, uh, building these, these visualizations for like uh, genetic trees of life and uh, all, all sorts of like other genetics related things. Uh, so that was that, that was pretty exciting and that was fun and I was building that in React and I decided let's try to like rewrite some of this in Vue and see what that experience is like. I thought that would be a good point of comparison and I, I wasn't thinking I would use it at all, but I found that it was it was actually a lot of fun. Like I could build it out really quickly. I could use the same structure that I was using in my Vue applications or in my React applications, so I didn't have to. I completely reorganized my code base. And I actually could use Vue and React alongside so that it was like a gradual migration. All right. Where, you know, at a certain point in the tree, it would turn into Vue. Uh, and then, you know, higher up, you know, everything was controlled by, by React until Vue took over and then everything was Vue. But I, I never had a point where the application was broken. Uh, and that was, that was really exciting. And there were two features that I especially appreciated, the transition and transition group elements. And then I guess also the reactivity system and how well that works with uh, animation libraries like uh, GSAP. And I was also using uh, a lot of the, the modules from D3 to, to do some, some math for visualization. And it made creating like these beautiful transitions so easy. And I actually ended up, because it was so simple this way, adding even more like cool animations <laughs> to the visualization. So what I had as a final product um, wasn't, wasn't just a, a clone of what I had before, but I had made improvements along the way. Just because making those improvements was so easy, I may, may as well. So happy to hear I'm not alone with a lot to view animations. <laughs> <laughs> yes, same here. A lot of my work at that time was data visualization. So that was, that was huge for me, just like being able to make beautiful things without a lot of work and without a lot of thinking. Right. And high performance, that was super important. So, you know, this always kind of made me curious because, you know, currently I'm not looking for a job, but sometimes, you know, like, I'm wandering around through LinkedIn or other places where we look for in Italy. I'm starting to see Vue coming up more often during these days. If earlier you could just see like Angular, then it became Angular and React, and then it became like Angular, React, and Vue. Since we are all talking from different countries, I guess just like Ben and Chris are from USA, right? Oh, we both live here now, at least. I, I didn't grow up here, but... <laughs> We don't okay. need to go into that whole long story. <laughs> how will you define, like, how do you see Vue.js and its position in the market right now and in the future? So do you think it's really something that people should be willing to learn because it's, like, going to be a big thing in the future? If it's already not, like, 
would you recommend like you gotta learn view now because like more jobs for this technology are popping up more important projects are getting created well there's a couple things i want to say real quick for the last three years i think uh at least at least by some measures it's been the fastest growing open source software project in the world not like javascript framework not javascript project software project in the world and right now i think our growth is um like in terms of our user base is about 10 percent every month that's amazing that's truly impressive so we're, we're we're growing astronomically fast uh so it, it means that 10 months from now there'll be twice as many view developers and this this trend has been going on for a while it's been very steady right do you want me to hop in on this one okay I, i'm done so any, oh, anything. Okay. <laughs> yeah so from my end i think the reason why i actually encourage especially people who are new to frameworks to learn view uh is because it makes it again getting up and running is really fast and you get that as you were mentioning Piero, like that uh, feeling of like, oh, like I'm making something work. I have something I yeah. can like show off and have fun with. But then once you grasp those concepts, it then makes it a lot easier if need be. Because I know people who are active in the Vue community, but their jobs happen to be Angular, happen to be React. And they'll bring the concepts that they took from there and bring it over to those frameworks and, and we're able to pick it up just as easily, right? Because you know, I always try to remind newer developers that like our value as developers is not the ability to memorize how one framework works, but like the the, the concepts and the theories behind why we do those things. And so Vue, I think, does a good job getting people on that basis where like, okay, I understand the concepts. Now I just need to learn some t- syntax, but I'm good to go. Right. Okay, and I will speak about job market because Ukraine is one of the biggest outsourcing centers in Europe. So our job market usually represents the world market really nicely. And... I can see a real growth for view positions for like last year, like really huge growth. So probably it's more required. I can't say it's the most required framework because this position is still for React. And I think it will be for React for at least two years from now because React is really, really popular. But the good thing is when you learn Vue, it becomes really easier to learn React and Angular after this. Because from big three, Vue has probably the easiest learning curve. And you grasp the reactivity patterns, you grasp components, you grasp statement, state management. Actually, I was trying to learn Redux after Vuex. And it was so much easier when you know Vuex already. And Vuex is a state manager for Vue. So I'd say if you want to learn any framework just to find a job, and that's it. It would probably be React, but it's not very productive. From my experience, it's the best when you're working with something you, something you really, really like. So I would start with you anyway. I think, like, I think my advice might be a, a little bit different. I might, like, if, if people are worried about, I guess if they, if they just want to, like, have fun and be productive, I'd say definitely give you a try and really give it one day because that's all it takes. I give it one day, and if you're not satisfied with it, then forget it and go learn something else. Uh, but it, employers often ask me, like, you know, how do I find Vue developers? You know, where, where, where do I find them? Like, where should I be posting? Uh, and how do I track them? And I usually tell people, it, you don't need to hire Vue developers. Just hire a JavaScript developer 
and then give them a day. And then they're a view developer. <laughs> uh, because really like the, the concepts that we talked about earlier, you know, those, those big higher level concepts like components yeah. uh, and, and organizing your, your application in, a, in sort of a modular way with views and maybe layouts and things like that. You know, if you already have experience with, that, with those kinds of concepts, like, those are the hardest things to learn. Yeah, those are like the higher concepts that you should be learning like later. And this was also like a good point to understand like how Vue can be a good investment for the future. Like you start learning it now. And since the, the growth rate is so high, it can be like a really good investment for you as a developer in the future. And there was also like a hook to start talking about whether developers value more like their passion for a framework or if they value more how much they will be able to use their framework in the future. It's like for me, when I started learning uh, Node.js, Angular, I really liked them, but I also, I mean, I was lucky to be happy to work with those technologies because it just happened to me. I really like the JavaScript syntax. I really like TypeScript, but I was also looking forward in three, four, five years, how will I be able to use what I'm learning now to grow as a developer and to, and to level up my career, if I can use that verb? Yeah. And I think I would probably actually say that any of the frameworks will probably teach you the, the big concepts that are going to help you level up your career and make sure that you can stay relevant. because you know, we all are using components. Um, we all are using many of the same ideas. Yeah. You know, from a from a high level, and so it, there's not like a huge jump that you have to make unless you're learning a completely new technology uh, or a completely new mindset. So, for example, when learning Angular, you now it's it's basically required to learn TypeScript, whereas that's optional with Vue and React, and you basically have to learn RxJS, which can be like a huge, <laughs> it can be huge to, to wrap your mind around that, uh, a lot of concepts. Uh, honestly, I've, I've used RxJS quite a lot, and I still don't think I could say that I completely understand everything about it. I don't and believe there is any person who understands RxJS completely. Maybe Ben Lush or something like that. Maybe, maybe, maybe not even him. Writing RxJS. <laughs> well, he denies. Yeah, actually, that's true. He denies it too. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. 
So my next question, if I can proceed, is because you told me like I'm working with you, I'm using this technology. And in your current day job, your current daily work life, what would you say is the best part of using Vue and the worst? And when I'm talking about the best and the worst part, I'm not talking like passion or like emotional attachment to the technology because you like it, but on a strictly technical level, what would you say it's a pain to work with when using Vue? And what would you say like, I'm very grateful I'm using this technology right now? Like, like which problems exactly uh, you can arise problems arise maybe that it creates <laughs> yeah yeah does anyone want to go first for this one or no just go ahead i'm thinking about it you're thinking about it okay then i'll then i'll buy you both some time so i'll i'll think i'll start with my favorite one which is that like view and this is a continuing trend like we try to keep the api as as simple as we can and there's more work that we can do and are doing for this uh, in Vue 2.x and also in Vue 3, where we can eliminate the number of things that you have to know about in order to just get your work done. Because I, I find a big problem for a lot of developers is when you're solving any kind of problem, you already have to keep so much in your head just to make sure you don't like accidentally mess up something else or to make sure that uh, you know, you're handling a specific edge case, or to make sure that you know about the fact that you'll need this feature if you run into this specific problem while you're running something. So I, 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 like, I like how we try to simplify the concepts and only make your application as complex as your needs actually are, rather than making it complex before it has to be. So, so really like for, for simple problems, like when you're starting out a new feature and the feature is very simple, Vue kind of gets out of your way and just does it. And only when that becomes a really complex problem does it offer other tools that you can know about if you want uh, and that you can use and, and bring into your project to make it uh, a little bit more complex, but help you overall manage and reduce complexity. Does that, does that part make sense before I go on to what I don't like about it? For me, it was very clear, yeah. Okay. So I, I think something I don't like about it is, let's see, this one is a little bit harder. I, I work with you all the time, and there are definitely things that I, that I don't like, but I'm trying to think about like a specific problem where something gets in my way. I don't, hmm. I honestly cannot think of a problem where I've thought, gosh, Vue just isn't really the right tool for this. Um, or Vue like, can't handle this the way that like, I've handled it before in like, React or Angular or other frameworks. Gosh, I know that's unsatisfying and it makes me sound biased. <laughs> you, you want us yeah, to buy you sometime? You yeah, sure. If you have some thoughts. Okay, I will probably share. So one of the best parts, I will be like more specific about view features. So one of the best parts in my daily job is the concept of slots, because we have a lot of general components. We need to abstract them as much as possible. And with view slots, it's really easy. It does the job perfectly. And we're really happy we have them. What about what I hate? It will be more general. 
I don't even hate. I don't like the thing is view. View is allowing you to do things in different ways. And there is sometimes there is no strict denial on something. Like one of the latest examples I have is view is usually emitting events. So you pass data down with props to child components and you emit events from child components. But in fact, you can pass a function as a prop and call it in a child component and it's not denied, it's totally fine. And it has downsides. You can track it with your dev tools. And we have a lot of developers with React experience and they do this a lot. And I really hate correcting them because technically they are right and there is no strict denial in docs. What do you say? What can you say about say about this, Chris? Yeah, I mean they they won't have they won't have any new problems that they don't already have in React. <laughs> That's true. But there there are some patterns that people. I'm trying to f- remember what this pattern is called in in React. Uh, Divya knows, so too bad she's not here. But there's uh, there's basically a pattern that you have to do that makes it easier to like have listeners on an element uh, and also allow the parent to like have listeners on that element, but not have to worry about what events they need to listen to. Oh my God, that sounds like a total chaos. And that's a super, super, super common use case actually. Super common. Basically like anytime you have a form element, you probably need to do that. You probably want to do that. And in React, you have to think about it and there's some boilerplate uh, and there are some like really like high level computer science like concepts that sometimes you know blog articles teach you about uh, in order to handle that problem well. And in Vue, it's just a problem you never encounter because uh, our event system just like doesn't conflict with other event listeners. Just like native JavaScript, you know, when you add an event listener to something, you don't have to worry about like oh, is there already an event listener for that event defined or yeah, you just do your work <laughs> and you only have to think about the things that that component cares about. Was that an okay explanation, Natalia? Yeah, totally. Okay. Cool. Um, as far as my favorite part of you, um, I'll go a little bit even higher level, um, is the concept of single file components. I know that more frameworks are starting to do things like this, but Vue does, um, again, just from a scoping your concerns down to a single file, and more importantly, I know this is uh, controversial among some JavaScript developers, but like, I love writing CSS and like, sort of like getting in the weeds of writing a CSS architecture. And Vue out of the box gives so many um, different methods for managing your CSS, um, particularly scope styles and CSS modules. Like the fact that all you have to do is add a module attribute to your style block, and it automatically does all this like, you know, code splitting, and then more importantly, like it replaces uh, CSS class names. Like, that to me is one of the my favorite things about Vue um, that you get out of the box without doing any fancy like you know CSS and JS and that kind of thing. As far as like a problem, I think this is one that every framework has, um, which I think is a lead in for Chris. But I think the single root component is <laughs> a problem I run into um, a lot. Sometimes you just want multiple um, you know multiple root components in a uh, sorry root elements in a component, and so I think Chris can speak a little to that. But, um, but yeah, I would say those are my two things. Yeah, actually, I, I'll, I'll agree with that. I mean, and, and React has, I wouldn't say this is the same kind of problem for every framework. You know, for example, React has fragments. You know, oh, to that's right. Return for root nodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
And, and in Vue, you can do that, but it has to be a special kind of component that you have to know more things in order to be able to write. <laughs> it's, it's a functional component using a render function rather than a template, which you know, typically most people are writing templates 95 to 98% of the time, and then render functions when they really need that power because the, the templates are like more declarative and simpler to write. But in, in Vue 3, that restriction will be, will be going away. Uh, and we actually, I mean, this is part of the trend that I was talking about before. Like, I wouldn't even like to have a concept of fragments because we already have like, an abstraction in JavaScript for a list of things, and it's an array. <laughs> so you can just return an array of elements if you want. Mm -hmm. uh, and, in, and in templates, you just write whatever HTML that you would write. And it can work. Yeah, I can't wait for that. All right. Okay. I can proceed with the next question, but if you have any suggestions, that might like that's also appreciated. No, I, your questions have been very good so far. I've been enjoying them. Thank you so much. So, if you guys agree, I will proceed with the next question, and it is this is kind of linked to what I asked you before, but it's more related to your personal opinion on it not about data or something like that. But now that you're working with Vue and you're regularly seeing it grow and more people are joining, let's call it the Vue army. How do you see this technology growing in the future? I'm not talking about the market, but how do you think the framework itself will evolve? And maybe like what direction the framework is pointing to? Maybe, you know, like to tackle some specific problems, to trying to acquire new users, to try to become mainstream. How would you say, like, I think Vue in like five years is going to be this. What would your answer to that question be? Great question. Natalia, do you want to start again? Oh my God, it's really hard to say how it will be in five years because... Yeah, five years is a long time. Vue is really young. <laughs> Well, I mean, but also like five years for a framework, that's, so, yeah, that's, that's a huge, huge amount of time. It's a whole life, yeah. Some, some frameworks are actually dying before this age and not that pessimistic, but I think let's not speak about five years, but yeah. right now, like, what are we going to concur? First of all, as a heavy TypeScript user, I can say we're going to win some love from TypeScript users because Vue 3 will support TypeScript nicely. And for me, it's a kind of huge win. Maybe Chris will disagree with this, but I can see it's really nice because I know a lot of people loving TypeScript and using TypeScript, and for them, it's like a huge step ahead. No, I, 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 don't, I don't disagree at all. Uh, and Vue 2 also supports TypeScript, but we want to make the, the experience with TypeScript and Vue 3, like truly best of class. Yeah, that's what, exactly what I meant. I know we have TypeScript support, but anyway, it's more complicated now than it will be in Vue 3. Also, I really love about, I really love we will have proxies and we will solve some reactivity issues, specifically Vue set. It's really great. Okay, I will think some more about this question and wait for Ben and Chris. Ben, do you have an answer or should I buy you some time? Uh, I, think, I think this will be as good as it gets for me. Um, for me, I, you know, having watched a community grow over the last year, 
Uh, the big thing for me is what I hope to see is the continuation in growth of the the community as a whole. Um, everyone in the community has always been really warm and really great to work with. And I think something that Vue introduced to me, I think Chris might be the one who introduced this actually, is the idea of documentation-driven development. I think that's one thing that Vue seems to do really good balance of as far as, far as like making sure that when building APIs and those sort of things, that these are things that actually make sense to users rather than build them technologically first. Yeah, only building APIs that are easy to explain. Yes, right. And so I'm hoping that, you know, given in the future, like that, that, that mentality will grow and more people will embrace that kind of thinking when building things. So Great. And then I think I would say a few general trends, you know, just like in, in Vue 3 coming out soon. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be about half the size, twice as fast. The source code is going to become a lot more modular than it is now. So it'll be easier than ever, really like as easy as possible to contribute so that you don't even have to know about the whole framework in order to make a contribution. You can just know about one small part of it and like be able to develop uh, and be able to contribute to view. That's something I'm, I'm really excited about having, you know, even, even more contributors. We already have a lot. Uh, we have, gosh, it might be, I know it's at least hundreds and might be thousands now, <laughs> uh, which is really exciting. And I'm also excited about generally things getting like simpler and more explicit, which they're already like quite simple and explicit in view too. But, you know, just continuing that trend uh, is something I am really, really excited about. And just making sure that the experience continues to be a compassionate one. You know, as, as Ben was talking about earlier, you know, where you, you start out and yeah, when you're solving a simple problem, like things seem pretty simple and you don't have to learn a lot. And then when things get a little bit more complicated, okay, I have to learn a little bit, but it helped me like solve this problem and like a whole other class of problems. And the whole, the whole time you just feel like really powerful and like there's more power at the tip of your fingertips, but you're not feeling overwhelmed by any of it because you don't have to know everything just to do Hello World. Yeah. Natalia, have you got some other hooks for us about? No, I think Chris was like all about it. Right. So for now, if I, like as a listener, like as, as a participant to the, this podcast, but also as a listener to what you are saying to me, I had to start learning view like this night, because like it's night in Italy. What would your recommendation be for me, like as resources? Just go through the documentation, maybe some Udemy courses, some like special resources online. Where would you start? Where would you let a beginner start in that sense? So I, we're, we're all educators here. So this is actually a question I hope we can answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just taught a workshop too. So N Natalia, do you want to go first? Yes, first and the most obvious source is Vue official documentation. And probably I sound biased a bit because now I'm a part of UDocs team. So it's like, yay, read docs, please, because I know not everyone is looking at official documentation, but trust me, it's great. It's thanks to Chris and Sarah mostly because they were working on it. But I hope and, for views. And Evan and Anfan. And yeah, yeah, exactly. So for and me, it's like, like all of our translators and the entire community. <laughs> Gosh, so many people help with it. It's been awesome. Yeah, and you, by the way. Don't 
forget to give no, yourself credit. I've just, I've just joined, so <laughs> not thanking me. As for courses, I really like the Frontend Masters course by Sarah Dresner. It's a great introduction to Vue. As I can say the same for Vue School and Vue Mastery introduction courses, and as far as I remember, they are free. So it's a good point to start. As for Udemy, and it, this one has my special love because I was learning Vue with it, I think. It's a course by Maximilian Schwarzmüller. Oh, I know him. He's a very good guy. Uh, he's, a really, he's really nice, and he's teaching Vue in, in his nice manner, so now with a smile. And he, his explanations are really great. As far as I know, he is also updating his course, and it's really, really nice. So it's, I, I think it's complete guide to Vue or something like this. He usually calls them like the complete guide to. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess I'll go next. Uh, so yeah, Natalia's recommendations are, funny enough, all on my slides when I teach workshops. So um, the only thing to listeners out there, if you're new to Udemy, is never pay full price. It'll say $100, $200. There's always a coupon code where it'll be like $10 US dollars. So whatever you do, don't pay full price. But yeah, Vue Mastery... Way to, way to help him out. He's trying to make a living here. <laughs> <laughs> He's producing great content. Now you're saying never pay full price? Oh, gosh. Yeah. I'd say pay pay full price if you if you find it's really worth it. You know, you can pay ten you can pay the ten dollars and then it's like you think, wow, this is obviously way, 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 way more value than ten dollars. I can't believe I have this for ten dollars. I'm gonna go buy it for full full price later. You can do that. Yeah, and it's just a cheapskate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying if people want to expense it or whatever, it's easier to ask for a ten dollar expense than a two hundred dollar expense. But anyways, uh, to a fair point, no, uh, Maximilian, funny enough, is also one of the courses that I took as well. And so I um, highly recommend uh, his work with that. And so, yeah, I basically second all of Natalia's recommendations. We'll make sure to put those in the show notes for people. Great. Is that it? Yep. Well, thank you both for stealing basically everything that I wanted to say. Uh, <laughs> I, I do have a couple more resources to add. So for people who really enjoy video content, there's also View School and View Mastery, uh, which are I two. Them. Oh, you did? Okay, I missed yeah. it then. Yes, I did. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I missed it. Then. I was hoping. Okay, well, then here's a little here's a little note that people can say, or people can remember. Uh, if you used to, and I hope Natalia didn't say this too. I, w- I thought I was paying more attention to this. If you used to watch uh, Code School courses, and you really liked them. Uh, with Greg Pollock. Greg Pollock is one of the founders of Code School, and he's also one of the founders, along with Adam Jar, for View Mastery. So you can see that same like level of top-notch content on View Mastery. That is true. But yeah, both View School and View Mastery uh, really have very high-quality courses uh, and a lot of resources that are free too. Yes. If you want to check it out, uh, I know Ben would want me to uh, mention that because he's so cheap. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, you can you can check you know a lot of the free resources out. See if it's like your style. You know if it's something that you might enjoy, uh, and then you can pay for some of the the more advanced stuff or niche stuff if you want to. You know, you gave me a really good hook earlier when asking this question to you because you said we are all educators here, and now that we're talking about education and learning, like 
the question that came to my mind like instantly was to you guys as educators, except from like learning and trying to get to grasp most of the concept you're reading about, what are the other characteristics of a good learner that you like might suggest to someone to pick? Like, do you value sharing? Like share your, share what you're learning. Just try to maybe write a blog and just try to write about what you're learning. Maybe go contribute to open source communities while you're learning, or maybe just make a team with your friends, start making your projects. So as educators, what will, be, what will your advice be to the people out there trying to learn Vue to, let's say, increase their potential as possible learners? And what picks will you give to them to say like, hey, don't stop just reading it and just trying to run these examples, but also try to do this and this. I like this. And this is probably the the last question that we have time for, but I think it's a good one to end on. And I'm going to go first because I'm tired of Natalia and Ben stealing all my ideas. Uh, (laughs) I hope the question was clear. It was kind of confusing, but I hope. I think think it was clear to me. So I mean, I'll try to reiterate, I guess, just to make sure I'm understanding. Uh, You want to know like what we'd recommend to learners for them to really get the most out of their learning. Exactly. As as educators, like what would you or your picks be for people out there? So I'm going to say one simple tip. Build something you want to share with someone you care about. That's nice. That's it. Like when there's social context, you're so much more motivated. Yeah. (laughs) My turn, Natalia. (laughs) That sounds really nice. Like you're always kind of putting pressure when you want to build something to show to someone you care. Yeah. I think that might be like the first deadline for someone like, oh my God, I got to show them this. And if it's related to your interests, like, like if you're trying to like figure out like, you know, tables and managing like a database or something like that, like build a Pokedex if you're into Pokemon and then like share it with your friend who's also into Pokemon. Exactly. Just try to solve problems that you usually have like daily. That will be like, I'm not an educator. That is like my, my pick on that. Like, yeah, those, you- those can be a little bit harder to find, but at, so, so that's why I, I like to do that when it's possible, but I don't know. I don't, maybe it's just me, but I don't have that many problems. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my life is pretty good. <laughs> so I actually wanted to say the same as Chris, obviously, but I can also add, if you have some questions, don't be afraid to ask and don't hesitate to do so. We have a great community, like really great. We have an awesome Discord channel. It's official view Discord channel. It's named Viewland. And there are many people there answering questions on a daily basis. It's a really nice place. So if you have any issues, any problems, any concerns about view, you can go there and ask. Same you can do on issues, on, on view forum, like everywhere. Just don't be afraid to ask these questions. And if you have some concerns and you're sure something is working not as expected, don't be afraid to create an issue. Because sometimes, as a contributor, I can see that good issue sometimes is better than actually pull request. So ask, create issues, and we will be happy with your contribution. Ma'am? 
All right. Uh, yep. So Chris definitely stole uh, my thunder on that one too. <laughs> but I would say um, I'm interesting. I'll see what Natalia and Chris have to say about this, but I would actually recommend that people don't contribute to open source right out the bat when you're starting with something. Uh, open source, in my experience, has a lot of barriers as far as like sometimes it takes a long time for pull requests to get reviewed. And it can be very daunting from the perspective of like where to get started um, as far as like what libraries and stuff. So what I recommend people always is to, um, to Chris and Natalia's point, solve problems you care about. And eventually you might find that like there's a specific library you come to rely on that you use a lot. And then you start diving into the source code. And like that's when you start maybe thinking about contributing to open source. But I think starting with it swinging right out the bat is, I think, asking a lot of newer developers. But maybe Chris and Natalia think differently. I agree. And also sharing something that you've built. Like if you're building an application and, you know, there's some part of the application where you're thinking like, you know, I could actually use this in a lot of applications, this code. You know, if I just changed it a little bit, made it more modular, you know, try doing that. Try extracting it out to a library that you can share with other people. And like one of the benefits of that is like when people use it, they'll help you improve it. So like it can become better than you could have ever made it by yourself. Uh, that's definitely true with like a lot of projects that I've worked on. Being able to benefit from the knowledge and experience of all the people who are using it helps you build a better thing. And then it makes you look super smart, even when you're just a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> I think I discovered this aspect of, like, let's say the programming life later. Earlier on, I was like, let's say shy about showing my projects to other people. But whenever I learned that people could help me and they could give me like their critical thinking on the project, they helped me so much. Like share your code and share your code earlier because it can help you grow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it, can, be, it can make you feel a little bit scared and vulnerable at first, but that's definitely great advice. Yeah, it's also like, like a way to get used to people reading it, people judging your product because... It's, it will be hard, you know, when you're really deploying an application, you're really writing code. Like, you got to start assuming your responsibilities earlier to, let's say, write something that is not only cool, but it is also, like, good. That can also be, like, quite a good exercise for you later on. Yeah, that's, that's one of the biggest things that kept me from contributing to open source earlier is I was afraid that... Like people would find out like how many things I don't know, which is most things. I don't know most things still. <laughs> and I think I was just like, uh, you know, totally an idiot and unprofessional and I shouldn't even be a developer. I can't remember actually what's the name of that syndrome. It's like the imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. When you feel like, oh my God, I shouldn't be here. But you really should. Like there is probably no moment in the life of a developer where you feel like, you're really ready for something, I guess. Like, oh my God, I'm learning Node, I'm learning Angular. And once I will be done learning this, I will be ready to get the next job. It really never happens because you really learn it while you're working with like senior people, like better developer. And that's the moment you start really learning it. And you learn how to solve more problems, like more different kinds of problems. Exactly. Exactly. And I would actually jump in on that. It's not necessarily that people are better developers, but I think we have to like own to the fact that people specialize in different things, you know? Yeah. And there are certain problems that people come with. Um, so just something to keep in mind that not necessarily better, but just having more experience with certain problems. 
Yeah, I've, I've definitely had people like when I'm stuck on something who might just have one year of programming experience, a junior dev looking at code that I've been looking at all day. And then it's like, well, why did you do this? And it's like, I did, oh, huh, what? Why did I do, why did I do that? <laughs> yep, exactly. It's like, oh, that's the bug. That's what's happening. <laughs> but like my brain was just like skipping over it. You know, I, I wasn't thinking about it as deeply as a beginner. I've heard that's called an over-the-shoulder fix when you just call someone like, hey, I can't solve this. And whenever you start explaining them what you cannot solve, it's done. You're like, you already solved it because you just, you just need to explain it to someone. someone. Well, I, didn't, I, I can't take credit for solving it in that case. They definitely solved it. They saw something that didn't look right to them and it wasn't. Yeah. So let's wrap up. Uh, we're going to move to some picks soon. But before we do that, I would love to know, Piero, where can people find you like uh, on the internet? Okay, so actually I started, let's say, building my online presence, let's say, two months ago. You can check out my Twitter. It's growing fast. I'm very happy for that. I'm posting like picks and tricks regularly, especially about JavaScript or Node.js. You can find my blog. It's called Decoder Swag. And it's, you can find like, I think like it's also the blog is growing fast and especially the last articles for me were very meaningful. I will give you a pick later to one of the articles, not just because it's, not because it's mine, but because it's an article where many people's contributed to it from all over the world. And that is like, for me, my personal little gem so that people can really not only learn to be kind of grateful for what they have, but also to understand like people are having, are going through the same struggle as me. That's very important for me, like as a developer to know and to notice that people are going through the same problems, the same process that I'm going through. So you never feel stupid anymore. So you never feel inappropriate anymore. That sounds great. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing that. And thank you so much. thank Thank you so much for like, uh, being willing to go on this, this interesting journey with us, you know, doing a different kind of episode. Thank you so much. It was very interesting for me. And I, will, and I won't deny you that I will, I'm very curious about Vue.js right now. And I will start checking the information that you provided to me as soon as possible. And, you know, it's also like, it was a very good occasion for me because you are all educators. So mm-hmm. that doesn't happen every day. You have three educators. <laughs> answering your questions. It's like, That's true. And I guess one final thing that I want to tell people before we go into picks, you know, when, when they talk about, oh, should I, you know, try to jump to this other framework? I'm going to say, if you're happy, if you're happy and productive with what you're using, it, you don't have to check out Vue. It's okay. <laughs> if you sometimes feel like, ah, I, could I be happier and more productive? <laughs> <laughs> if you have days like that, go ahead and check out Vue. But really, don't give it more than a day. If, if you're still not happy after a day of reading the docs, then you know, you're probably not going to like it. So that's, that's plenty of time. You know, just take a Saturday and, and go through it and try to see what you can learn. And keep an open mind. But yeah, if at the end of that, you don't like it and you don't think it'll be useful for you, you've, you can officially say that you've checked out Vue and you decided not to use it. 
This episode is brought to you by TripleByte. Applying to programming jobs sucks. You have to put the right keywords in your resume. You spend hours and hours on the phone screens and take home projects. And that's assuming the company even responds to your application. Well, if you're a software engineer, TripleByte can help. They work with over 400 top tech companies from big names like Dropbox and Adobe to exciting startups. You do one brief online interview with them. And if you do well, you go straight to final interviews with the company on their platform. It's like the common app for software developers. TripleByte does not look at your resume or where you went to school. All they care about is if you can code. I've helped dozens of software developers with various credentials get jobs, and this looks like a terrific way for you to get in and get interviewed and get a job without a lot of the hassle and overhead. You can go check them out at triplebyte.com view. That's triplebyte.com, byte as in eight bits. As a special offer for listeners of this show, if you take a job through TripleByte, they'll offer you a $1,000 signing bonus. And now let's go to picks. So, would anyone, does anyone, or do we have any volunteers to start with picks? Yeah, it will be Natalia. probably me again. Yeah, I used to be first during this podcast. So, my pick for this week is a great Netflix show. It's Love, Death, and Robots. It's awesome. I just give, gave it a try when flying back home from Vietnam, US. And apparently, I've watched all the episodes, and it's really great. Just give it a try. Ben? Yeah, so I have two picks for this week. Uh, one is uh, Sarah Drasner wrote an article on CSS tricks called Form Validation in Under an Hour with Vuelidate. So be sure to check that out. And if you're looking for a book to read on learning principles and sort of, sort of revolutionizing what we understand as um, learners and teachers, uh, check out the book Make It Stick. And yeah, those are my picks for this week. Okay, actually I got three picks. And the first one is... I never really tried, but I discovered that I really love listening to music while coding. And, but you gotta, learn, you gotta listen to a specific kind of music. You know, you, can't, you just cannot listen to house music or disco music. At least that's for me because it's just distracting. So you might check on the Neotic YouTube channel. Or like, it's called like, it's basically just a list of channels who make this lo-fi hip hop music. And it's just really relaxing, and it, it really helps me coding. How, how do you spell that, the, the Neotic YouTube channel? Neotic. Neotic. Yeah, or you can check out, it's called, the other one is called Chill Cow. Chill and, Cow. Yeah. I think I can spell that one. But how do you spell Neotic? N-E-O-T-I-C. Okay, 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 cool. Another pick I have is, it's a book. It's called Tools of Titans. I think it's very famous, especially in the U.S. It's from a guy who's called Tim Ferriss, and I think it really helps you give a discipline. Basically, it's just a collection of the best picks and advices and practices from famous people around the world. You can find Anthony Robbins, you can find famous swimmers, you can find actors, and they just give you like their advices and, their, and what basically they do on their daily life to let's say, keep their success going on and to improve themselves. I think that's really good. That's a really good book. You can just like go through the pages. Every person just spends like, let's say, 400 words for themselves. So like very quick, you can just read it in the morning and maybe you can say like, oh, I want to try this. And quickly, the third pick is the article I was talking to you earlier. It's called, 10 developers share their stories from all over the world. It's an article I've, read, I've written with 10 people, 10 developers. 
They are from Nigeria, Indonesia, uh, US, and from UK. And I think that's really good. Don't get me wrong. I've written it, but in there, you will find their words. There's nothing like mine. I would really like to thank them if they're listening to this and you will be able to hear from Fortune, who is in Nigeria. He's struggling to buy a laptop. You will hear from um, In, who is in Indonesia, trying to teach moms how to code and how to live a better life to get them independent. You know, And so I think you can really understand not only their struggle as developers, but as people. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much. And I have... I have three picks. The first one is The OA. A new season just came out on Netflix, season two. The first season was really weird. It was really weird, but it was a trip. Uh, The second season is really weird. So if you liked how weird the first season was, check out season two of The OA. (laughs) And that's my first pick. (laughs) I don't want to give, I don't want to say anything else about it because it's a spoiler. Uh, Fair enough. But my, my other two picks are Natalia and Ben. So first, you know, we've mentioned that you're, you're both educators. Natalia, where can people find the educational resources that you create? So first and probably the most obvious educator resource I have is Vuevixen's workshops documentation. You can find them on vuevixen's.org website. And I also make articles and I have a dev to account. So you can check it and see what I'm reading about. Just search for Natalia Tepluhina, Dev2. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really obvious. I have all accounts with my name and surname. So it's really easy to find. Well, except except in our official like Discord for view. (laughs) I really like I really like to hide it. Then you go also, then you go by a different name. <laughs> yes, but because it's a leftover from World of Warcraft years. So nice. Oh cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Ben, what about you? Yeah, so um, you can find some of my personal blog posts on bencodezen.io. But again, all my um, workshops that I teach are on my GitHub repo. So uh, github.com slash bencodezen. You can find everything there. And I'm, I'm, I have my DMs on Twitter open. So if you have questions, please feel free to reach out. Excellent. Thank you both. And yeah, I, we, we invited them to, to the podcast because they are such great educators of you. Uh, so yeah, we're, I, I, thank you so much, both of you, for, for being able to be here. And thank you so much, Piero, again, for this journey with us. I, I thought like your interview questions were incredible. It was, it was actually even better than I was hoping for. Thank you so much for having me and thank you so much for giving me the possibility to, to learn and to share my opinions. I enjoyed learning from you as well. Thank you so much. So that's it for this week on Views on View. Until next week, enjoy the view. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more. <laughs>